Hey, thanks for listening with Sanctuary. We're excited to grow in the knowledge of Jesus with you. Now let's get into the Word. God, just fill your church, I pray, in Jesus' name. Somebody said? Kingdom comes, his kingdom comes. This morning our title is The Harvest is Near, or The Kingdom is Near. The Kingdom is Near. Uh, I'm not much of a baker, okay, so we just had a holiday weekend. I'm not much of a baker. Uh, I'm a skillet guy, okay? I can do about anything on a skillet. I like skillet, you know, that, that's my thing. But a baking, I'm not so much. So Beth was gone this weekend, uh, a, a day. I had the girls by myself, and so they get out my level of baking. It was the Easy Bake Oven, y'all. That was my level of baking. So I had my dad and two girls, so they got the Easy Bake Oven out, and that's about what I can handle. I can do that, all right, Miss Kim? I can handle the Easy Bake Oven. A little mix, but it was more messy than I ever thought possible with two girls. Uh, But you know, in baking, there's a working of the ingredients, right? You mix it all together. You've got to do it. It's, you know, that we got the flour and the oil and we're putting it together. Uh, And it's kind of messy. It's not real pretty. You don't know what the product is going to be, even if it's going to work out. And there's a working of it. Then there's a putting it in the oven and there's a waiting, like the Easy Bake Oven is a 12-minute timer. Okay, I can do that. The first, but some of y'all, they, y'all bake something all day long. Or for those of you who smoke stuff, it's like eight hours. It's a waiting. There's a long waiting period to find out if the thing I worked is going to produce the product that I hope it did. And the reason I don't like baking is because it's either it's going to get flat, it's not going to rise, did the ingredients melt together, did I do it right, too much oil, too much this. I'm not good at that. I'm kind of like... Let's do it. I'm, one, I'm hungry now. I'm not one to wait. And then there's an urgency of a watching because the timer is about to be off and you probably don't leave the kitchen or if you're like my girls, they're waiting for that timer because they're going to put the toppings on it and as soon as they put the toppings on they're going to eat it. And in my house, if uh, the closer it gets to the timer, the more you stay near the oven, right? And there's a Waiting, then there's a watching, and then as soon as you hear the ding, 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 what do you do? You whisk it out of there because if uh, you leave it in a little longer, what happens? It's overdone, it's burnt. And there's a perfect moment to whisk it out when it's done, when it's finished. And if you can understand that, you can understand biblical prophecy. There's a moment of working that God has done in the world, and it's not real pretty right now. It's a little messy in the world. It doesn't look like anything's coming about of this whole church thing, this whole Christianity thing. It's a little dark. It's a little messy. It's kind of violent. God, look at the world. What are you making? Then there's a moment of of heating things up. There's a moment of, of waiting and watching. But the closer the hour comes to the bell going off is when the church is supposed to be getting ready. Somebody say ready. Because I believe the kingdom is near. The buzzer is about to go off. There is about to be a whisking away of what God says it's done. It's finished. I'm ready for this final product. Uh, Jesus said, when you see certain signs, recognize that the kingdom of God is near. Luke 21, 31. The problem is, is that never before has there been a day like today, like the last 100 or 150 years. The world's prosper. Uh, Never before like today have you seen national economies uh, been this intertwined in a global economy. 
Never before have we seen world powers with such nuclear cap capabilities. Uh, even the last world wars have totaled more than all the wars before it combined. Uh, in this day in history, we, because of those wars, we saw the coming back of a Jewish statehood, which was prophesied in 1946. Uh, we've seen, uh, even today, the whole world is watching Israel. Have you noticed this? The whole world is watching Israel today. Never before have we seen the rapid expansion of the gospel through technology and internet and boats and trains and automobiles and radio waves. The gospel is reaching the ends of the earth, as was predicted. And at the same time, in rapid technology, we've seen the height of radical homosexuality and hedonism, sex trafficking, the poten potential of pornography in every pocket. We've seen anarchy, riot in every street across every country. And never before have we seen increasing natural disasters at a rate as in the last hundred years. So much so that uh, nations are spending billions of dollars and world leaders are coming together for climate accords. I don't care whether or not you believe in a thing as such as global warming. I just want you to know the Bible says that men, because they see what is happening among the earth, they would faint, they would grow, their hearts would grow heavy because they sense that something is happening to the earth. That's biblical prophecy. The kingdom is near. The harvest is ready. And Jesus says, these are all in, uh, he says, these are all birth pains. Times of increasing urgency that that bell, that timer, is getting ready to go off and a sudden change is about to happen. And uh, my question is, are you ready for the harvest? Are you ready for a sudden change? Are you working? Are you waiting? Are you watching for a sudden whisking away? You know, and the crop that is ready first is taken first. When you put two different things in the oven, yet Thanksgiving this last week, you probably put multiple things. We had rolls, we had sweet potato pie, you know, we had different things. And when they were all in there together, but the one that was ready first, guess what we did? We took it out first. And the crop that is ready first is reaped first. So let me tell you a few things. Look at Mark chapter 4, verse 26. A little bit of a teaching today. Somebody say, it's harvest time. The people were wondering when God's kingdom was coming and when everything was going to be set right. And they're looking at Jesus. He's out there on a hill teaching like an ancient rabbi would do. And he begins to tell them seven kingdom parables. Some of them you know, like the kingdom of the tares and the wheat. Uh, the kingdom of, uh, is like a farmer who sows seed into different types of soil. And he said this in that same context. He says that he was saying the kingdom of God is like, Mark 4, 26, a man who casts seed upon the soil. And he goes to bed at night and gets up by day. The seed sprouts and it grows. And how? He does not know himself. The soil produces the crop by itself, and first the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. Verse 29, but when the crop permits, he immediately, somebody say immediately. Yeah. He immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. When the crop is ready, when it's harvest time, when it's about to be done, he immediately says it's harvest. He immediately puts in the sickle. He immediately whisks it away because to let it stay would be to have it overdone. It would die. It would be a, a, a burnover field. He says, when immediately when the crop permits, 
So in Israel, let's go back. We're not an agricultural society today so much uh, like they were then, but they had grain harvests and different kind of harvests, olives and figs and wheat and barley. And the way it would work is if you were to harvest something, you could either pull it up by hand or you would have reapers go out, uh, people in the field, and they'd have these scythes or these sickles. You've seen like the grim reaper. They had long ones or short ones, and they could cut it. They'd cut that grain. They would bind it in sheaths, and we put these out like the corn husk, you know, like it, on the fall. You, but they have, they'd bind this into a bundle of wheat, and they could either uh, bruise it, and if it was an easy plant, they'd bruise it, and then the, the seeds would fall off, the, uh, the kernels would fall off. Or if they needed to thresh it, they would crush it, they would grind it, uh, and then they would separate it by winnowing. They would take a fork in a stone area called a threshing floor, they would take that, that chaff and that wheat and all that stuff that was crushed or bruised, put it together. They take a fork, they throw it into the air on a windy day, and the hard seed, the heavy seed, would fall, and the chaff would blow away. And they would collect the seed. And that's what Jesus is talking about. This is all agriculture. He's speaking to the audience of his day. And from this whole kingdom parables, you sing a couple of themes. He says, I'm like a sower sowing seed. And the gospel seed is the Word of God, the message, the good news. And it goes into the field, and the field is the world. And there's different types of soils, and it produces different types of crops. And that good seed and the good soil is my children. But there's also a bad sower and a bad seed, and there are bad plants that produce a harvest. And he says, but there's coming a day when I'm going to send my reapers, my angels, and they're going to come and they're going to gather my harvest and they're going to winnow it. They're going to separate the good from the bad. Maybe the sheep from the goats. And one is going to be collected and stored and one is going to be burned up with fire. And this is the harvest that he's talking about. When will harvest come? When will the crop be ready. Let me do a short and brief teaching on the biblical harvest. There are three harvests I want to just narrow in on today, and I know our, our time is short because I can't get it all in, but there are seven feast days in Israel. Three of them are harvest days, and they all revolve around really three different types of crops. The first is the barley harvest, which is a wheat, a grain. The second is the actual wheat harvest. And the third is the fruit. And we're going to say grapes today. So figs, olives, but we'll say grapes. So barley, wheat, and grapes, okay? One comes early and is harvested very easily. That's the, the uh, barley. It's just bruised. They don't, but the second is the wheat. It comes later. It takes a while to mature. It's a harder crop. It has to be threshed, uh, pound down. And the last is the grapes that comes at the end of the year, and that's the one that has to be crushed. You've seen a wine press. You've seen people like, I don't know, I, I'm from I Love Lucy era, and you see I Love Lucy. She's out there, and she's pressing on the grapes, right? You put it in a vat, and you stomp on it, and that's the grapes. Well, all of the biblical feasts revolve around these, and they all signal something about God's prophetic plan through Jesus Christ and the church. So let's look at the first one. The first one is Passover. On Passover, uh, you know the story of Moses and the Exodus. They would remember it, Passover, every year. 
of how God saved them from the Egyptians. And, and they would apply the blood to the doorposts of the Passover lamb. Uh, and they would remember that God's wrath, the death angel, passed over them. And they would take that lamb every year and they would remember this. It was a feast day. The men of Israel would come and they'd come to Jerusalem and celebrate uh, this feast day. But after Passover were two other things. Uh, one was the uh, festival of unleavened bread, which they would remove all the yeast, the leaven from their house for seven days. And then there would be first fruits. It was all kind of the same celebration, all right? It's three, but it's one. Okay, there's a little message in that, okay? It's one festival, but uh, three parts, okay? And so there's Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits. Well, Passover, the Passover lamb was sacrificed on Passover. Well, three days later, in the Jewish way they keep time, it's our two days, their three days, all right? In the way they count time, it's three days. On the third day, they would, the priest would take a bundle of barley, because this is the earliest crop, the easy crop. that They don't have to winnow, they don't have to uh, thresh. It's an easy-going crop. They just had to cut it and just bruise it, sprinkle some uh, oil on it, some fragrant offering, and the priest would take that first fruit, and he would wave it before the Lord as the first fruit of the barley harvest. And then, if he does that, Leviticus 23 says that the rest of the harvest would be acceptable to the Lord. Now, why does that matter for you and for me, and what does this have to do with anything? Why barley? Barley, like I said, is the first crop to mature, and it's the easiest going one. You just winnow it a little bit, throw it up, and it casts away. The Bible says that Jesus became a few things about this. He became yours and my Passover lamb. Somebody say amen. amen. That on, Paul says that he was that lamb that was slain for us. He, that the wrath of God passes over us when you apply his blood to your heart. And then he becomes, uh, he was that first fruit he was the first part of this great final harvest that God lifted him up. And Jesus said, if you lift me up, I will, if he lifts me up, I will draw all men to myself. And he was an easy harvest. He was a bruised reed. He was, he was, his, none of his bones were broken. He was easy. He loved God, and he was uh, poor. And the Bible says that uh, barley was the poor man's bread. And what did Jesus say about people who had received the kingdom? He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs are the kingdom. Barley's the poor man's bread. Barley is not threshed. It's just bruised. It's, it's an easygoing thing. And Jesus became our first fruits. On that day of Passover, the lamb was slain, and he passed over our the wrath of God passed over us. He became our lamb for us. And on the third day, guess what? He rose again. He was lifted up to the Father. And it says in Leviticus, so that the rest of the harvest could be accepted. That's what Paul says. He says, and Christ became a first fruits for us. That if he was raised from the dead, and if the Spirit of God who raised him from the dead, guess what? If he lives in your mortal bodies, he will also raise up your mortal bodies with him. Somebody say amen. amen. Isn't that beautiful? You can't make this stuff up. It's the Bible. All right? There is a, uh, uh, he says this, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 20, he became the first fruits of those who are asleep. Now that means for what? For, for me, Pastor. It means like barley, those who are quick to respond to the gospel. Those who apply the blood of Jesus and are poor in spirit with him and eat the poor man's bread can be delivered suddenly and quickly. He became a first fruit for you. He became the first to be resurrected so that we might be resurrected. Matthew 24 says there will be two in the field and one will be taken and one will be left. 
Two will be grinding at the mill, and one will be taken, and one will be left. But see, there's this working, there's this waiting, and there's this watching. So there's another harvest that comes after that. Barley and wheat are planted at the same time. But one is taken early, and one has to remain, because it's a little harder. So let's go to the next feast. The next feast was called the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Booths, or uh, maybe you heard it that way, or you know it by Pentecost. That's the Greek word for it. Pentecost. Pentecost means 50. Because 50 days from that celebration we just had, Passover. Let's read forward, go, go forward a little bit. 50, on the seventh week following the seventh, sun, seventh Sabbath, 50 days, they'd have another harvest. This would be the harvest of wheat. It'd be the first fruits of wheats would be offered, and they'd do the whole huge festival for this that we don't have time to go into. But they would remember when God gave the fire of God, came on the mountain, and Moses went up there, and they received the law. They were remembering that God got us out of Egypt. He got us to the wilderness, and there we met God face to face, and He was a holy, consuming fire. And, he, and even 3,000 of us died because uh, they didn't really serve God. They built this idol thing, uh, and, and they all were killed. And he says, but God gave us the law, and he brought all the 12 tribes together into one people. All right? That's the festival of weeks, or booths. Or, sorry, weeks. I'm saying booths. It's festival of weeks. Pentecost. God brought these 12 tribes together, and the priests would take two wheat loaves with leaven. That means they would rise, mix together, and he would take those two wheat loaves, and he would wave them up before the Lord. Why, why does this have to do with me? Wheat, I said, planted at the same time. Wheat had to take longer to get ready. It was a harder crop. Wheat actually had to be threshed. Wheat had to be beaten. It had to be broken. It had to go to a threshing floor. And they had this little, there's a picture of it on the screen. They had this thing called a tribulum. And it was uh, something that would press down this wheat and break it. It was pulled by an ox. Maybe a man would ride on it. There's different versions. But it, that's where we get the word tribulation from. It was a tribulum that wheat had to go through so that it could produce the kernel that we needed to reap from it. That wheat, because it was harder, not like barley, it had to go through something. And it was mixed together to be acceptable to the Lord. You know, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that there was Jews and proselytes together. That means non-Jews. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 and 10, that there were Jews and Gentiles together. On that day of Pentecost, when the full had, fullness had come, they were together in one place. And there, God, not just, He didn't kill 3,000 Jews, but He saved 3,000 people. There they met that same fire that came on the mountain, came and rested on, as tongues, came on all 120 people who were in that upper room. And just like they met God on the mountain back then, they met God in a new way. And He gave the law the first time, but He gave the Spirit this time. And while He killed 3,000 then, He saved 3,000 this time. And God didn't just bring the 12 tribes together, He brought the whole nations together into one king and one kingdom. And He says, this is a festival I want you to remember. This is even the same festival, if you remember back in the day, where Ruth was saved by Boaz. Ruth was a Gentile who was saved, or saved her Jewish mother-in-law, Naomi, and it was at this festival at this time. God used a Gentile to save a Jew, and this is what we see. This, is, this festival is unique uh, because of this tribulation, this joining together of Jew and Gentile. 
Matthew 3 says, As for me, John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he's coming after me. He's mightier than I. I'm not even fit to remove his sandals. And he's going to baptize you two ways. One with the Holy Spirit and fire. And he says this, his winnowing fork. Have you ever caught this? His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into the barn, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. What is he saying? I'm making a Jewish and Gentile church with the Spirit of God. And there's going to come a threshing for those who are hardened. There's going to be a tribulation come. And I'm going to baptize them with the Holy Spirit. But I'm also going to be baptizing people in fire, in judgment on the last day. There's going to be a process here of happening that maybe you don't understand it, but there's going to be a moment come. And I'm going to baptize and start this new nation, this kingdom of God. It's going to be birthed on Pentecost. And at the end days, there's going to be a re of a harvest, but not until there's a tribulation of those who aren't ready. See, I don't know about you, but I want to be barley. I don't want to be wheat. There's a barley that is not threshed, but it's just bruised, and it's ready to go. It's taken first, y'all. But there is a wheat that is harder, that produces late. And the Bible says that we know that that is Israel. Israel just rejected her Messiah. And he says, There's, I'm not forgotten them. They're just going to have to go through a tribulum. There's going to be a process happening here. You don't understand what's going on in the nations today. Let me give you a little insight. God is getting ready to whisk some of us away and bring tribulation on the earth. There's something about to happen that when the first harvest is ready, it's reaped. And the second harvest, it's all part of the same. It's all the grain harvest. And Jesus says, I'm baptizing them, but I'm also coming with a threshing and a winnowing, and I'm going to get them ready too. I'm going to take them up with you. Some, some might say, well, I believe but my heart is hard. Maybe today there might be some American Christians that have to be threshed by tribulation. Amen. We're weighted down by all the cares and affairs of the world, its worries, its wealth, all of the technology and social media, all of the things that we have here today. And it's very likely many people will not make that first going. Amen. If you get to stay here, and I hope you don't, but you will go through a tribulum. Because God will have to break you of everything you rely on in this world until all you realize is you need is Him. Amen. That's that second one. That's the Feast of Weeks of Pentecost. Real quick, there'll be a third one. That's the Feast of Tabernacles and Booths. I said Booths earlier. This is Tabernacles. Feast of Tabernacles or Booths. Leading up to this one is also three but one. The first is called the Feast of Trumpets. And on the seventh month, September, October, on that first day, there'd be a 10-day period of prayer and self-examination leading to these next three. They call it in the Jewish day, they call it a days of awe. There would be seven days of awe of repentance and reminding yourself that God alone is king. And it would end with something you call, we call the Day of Atonement. Jews call it Yom Kippur. It's the holiest day. It's the only day in the Jewish calendar that the priest could go into the holy place and see the Ark of the Covenant, and the Ark of the Covenant would be revealed. Why is this important to us? You see, after God raptures His barley, His church, at only a time the Father knows, the Bible says it would come at a trumpet sound. This is the Feast of Trumpets. This is that first in-gathering of harvest. The, the trumpet's going to sound, and it's going to rapture his church, but then that tribulum, that tribulation is going to begin. And guess what the Bible calls it in Revelations chapter 7 through 11? It's going to be days of all. 
It's going to be all like the world has never seen on, on land, on water, on sea and river, even on people. The whole world is going to begin to recognize that God is king. He's going to bring Israel to repentance. They're going to turn from their, their way and turn to Messiah. He's going to seal 144,000 Jewish evangelists who are going to preach to Israel. Uh, and they're going to see Israel saved. And Israel will be saved in this tribulation time. And the world is going to know that something crazy is going on in this global uh, climate that we have. I don't know what they're going to call all kinds of things, but it's going to be that some people are going to say, truly God must be doing something. Just like that centurion who pierced uh, Jesus and he watched him when it got dark and an earthquake happened. He said, surely this man was the Son of God. It's going to be the same day. There will be seven trumpets sound just like this. There will be seven days of all. There will be seven trumpets of all. And then Revelation says in chapter 11 that after those days of all have ended, the seventh trumpet will sound, and it says this in Revelation chapter 11, verse 19, the Ark of the Covenant will be revealed in heaven. Your high priest and my priest will go in, and he will make atonement for Jew and Gentile alike. And then, man, it's coming. It's coming. There'll be a tribulation in Matthew 24. He says, And then when the sign of the Son of Man appears in the sky, all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see, I believe this is Israel, they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds in the sky with power and great authority. Revelation says his, on his thigh will be a name written. It'll be King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's coming on a white horse. He's going to split the eastern sky like lightning flashes. They're going to see him. They're going to mourn over piercing him. He's going to land on the Mount of Olives. He will destroy all of the enemies that have surrounded themselves against Israel. And it says, He will gather His elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. And it ends with this, the third harvest. This is that Feast of Tabernacles, Feast of Booths. Five days after that atoning Yom Kippur, when the ark is revealed by the priests, same thing that happens in Revelation, Israel would take booths, they would go out in their lawn yard. Ladies, I don't know if we'd want to do this today, but they, for seven days, they would, they would camp out in their backyard under tents made of palm branches, actually four types of branches representing the four corners of the earth, meaning representing all kinds of nations and people. This is the only festival that included man, woman, boy and girl, slave and free in Israel. Why? Because this is the ingathering. This is when they remember how God protected them and covered them. He tabernacled, or same word is dwelt. He boothed over them. He covered them through the wilderness, and He became their fire by day, their cloud, uh, fire by night, cloud by day, their water. The priest would celebrate that by that water. He would go to the pool of Siloam, and he would, he would take it, that water, and he would pour it around the altar once a day for six days, and on the seventh day, he would do it seven times around it. Anybody seen Jericho, the story before? He, for seven days, he would, or the seventh day he would do that. They had also put up 75, thing, I think 75 plus tall candlesticks and light them to re remember how God had protected them by fire and he had covered them and God tabernacled in the midst of them, that he dwelt in the midst of them. He brought his heavenly throne, the, the Ark of the Covenant symbol, and he put it in the middle of a broken and lost people and united them together under the blood of the Lamb. 
And God says, there's coming a day when I'm going to do the same thing. When Jesus comes and sets this world right, He, he comes at this, this, after these days of awe, and he, he sets Himself up as King. And the Bible says that God will finally tabernacle, dwell among men, and He'll bring His new heaven, uh, His Jerusalem, His holy city will come, and He'll dwell in the midst of the four corners of the earth. He will bring tribes and nations and tongue. Every year will come, and they will celebrate this feast for a thousand years. Every year the remaining nations will come and worship King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, Jew and Gentile alike, men and women, slave and free, boy and girl. You see, all this Old Testament stuff, man, it actually has significance for us today. This is the same festival that Jesus said as He looked to that light, those tall candlesticks, He said, I am the light of the world. It's the same festival that Jesus said when he saw that priest going around that altar seven times and pouring out this water, remembering that wilderness moment. He said, but any man who comes to me, if he's thirsty and drink, out of his belly will throw rivers of living water. You see, any person who doesn't accept Jesus as the life and the light, any person that doesn't accept Jesus as the living water, even every person who doesn't want God to come and dwell in the middle of their mess and make them holy. He says there'll be a crushing. I told you there was a barley harvest which is easily taken. Christ is the first fruit of that. He was a bruised, he was bruised, he was not broken. He had a fragrant offering, but on the third day, God rose him up. And he said, this is making all the harvest acceptable. I'm the first resurrection and you'll be uh, with me. There's a wheat one, there is a, a crushing, a tribulation that regards the wheat, and those two harvests are bound together, they go up. But there's still fruit that remains. There's a crushing. These are the, we'll say the grapes. See, grapes have flesh. Everything that's fleshly is going to be crushed. Everything that, that doesn't uh, come willingly to the Father, everything that doesn't uh, accept Him. You see, Revelation 14 said there's two harvests here in this moment. He says he saw Jesus with a sickle in his hand, and he took the first uh, grain harvest. Revelation 14, 17 says, And I saw another angel come out of the temple which is in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. And that angel, another angel came out who had power over fire, came from the altar, and he said with a loud voice to him who had that sharp sickle, Put in the sharp sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth, because her grapes are finely ripe. The angel swung that sickle to the earth and gathered the clusters from the vine of the earth and threw them into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And that winepress was trodden outside the city, and blood came from the winepress up to a horse's bridle for a distance of 200 miles. What does that mean? Every nation that stands against Jesus Christ on that last day, when He comes, they will be crushed by the wrath of God. He will speak a single word, and the Antichrist and all of His kingdoms will be crushed and the valley of decision, the valley called Armageddon, and Jesus Christ will establish His eternal kingdom. For a thousand years the nations will come in, called the millennial reign. He'll be Prince of Peace. And I told you they'll celebrate that tabernacle for a thousand years until finally that season will be over, and there'll be something called the final judgment, a great white throne. And every person that are alive at that time will be resurrected and stand before God, and He will say, Are you in the book of life, the Lamb's book of life. Is your name written here? Do I know you? Have we had a relationship? And if not, he'll say, depart from me. I don't know you. There's a new world coming, and you say, well, Pastor Ethan, what are, what are, we've got things going on today. Man, I'm busy. I've got no time for this. 
I've got my TikTok and my Instagram story to update. I've got a job to get a retirement for. I've got a family to feed. I've got a lawn to mow and things to get doing. Man, we've, we're busy. We're just so busy. You see, when that oven was getting ready, in my house, if I put a pizza in and I say, hey, guys, i got to go away for a minute, I say, y'all, Ariadne, watch that timer. If you hear that timer go off, you know what I want them to do? I want them to yell at me. If I'm out in the yard working, Dad, the oven's beeping. You know what I do? I put things down immediately, and I run to that oven because I don't want that pizza. That's about as much as I get in the oven. I don't want that pizza to burn. I don't want to leave it in there one minute longer than ready. And for those of us, man, we have been so busy, so worried about all the well-doing in the world, so wearied about all the things going on in life, but when the countdown is nearing the clock, it's time to get back in the kitchen and watch the countdown begin. There is a working that God has done, and it has been messy. And Jesus said, don't you know my Father and I have been working until now? And don't you look. He says, look, John 4, look at the fields. They are white for harvest. He saw them as a sheep uh, and a shepherd. He said, man, they're dispirited, and this is a moment of opportunity. God is working. Listen, he's working on your neighbors. He's working on your family. He's working in the national stage, in the state stage. He's working in people in this church, in the next church. He's working because he knows the hour is short. Listen to me. There is a working that needs to be done, and God is asking you to partner with him. Do you know that every time Jesus sent out the disciples once at a 12, he sent 12 out. The next point, he sent 70 out. And you know, each time he sent them, what did he say? He said, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers like you into his vineyard. Moved with compassion over and over again. Every time Jesus sent somebody out, he said, hey, pray for more people like you. Pray to me that I will raise up people to be like you. There's a working. There's also a waiting. See, I want you to be ready. Well, what kind of crop are you? Are you barley? Are you wheat? Are you grapes? Will you, need to be, will you be caught up easily? Will you need to be threshed by tribulation? Will you ignore the things I say today and stay here and remain and have to go through something till you really get it? Or will you be uh, crushed on that last day, blinded by the God of this age, who's blinded the minds of unbelieving hearts? They won't see the light of the glory of God in Jesus Christ. There's a barley and a wheat and a grape if you want to be ready, it's the crop that's ready first. That's the crop that's reaped first. You see, there's a working. He says, I'm calling you to pray for me. Pray with me to the Lord of the harvest. There's a working that I'm doing. John, Mark, Matthew chapter 9, there's a working. Beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers, to send out workers, to send out workers, to send out workers into his harvest. There's a working to be done if you want to be ready. Number two is there's a waiting. Peter said, don't think that God is slow. Don't think that God is slow. He's doing this on purpose. He's got a recipe he's been making since the beginning. And I don't know about you, but knowing this, knowing this, that God has orchestrated not all this with Israel and all these feasts, and they speak to exactly what's going to happen in these last days, that means that God has a beautiful recipe. That it is intricately detailed. He knows how much sugar, how much flour, how much salt. He knows how much uh, measuring. His measuring cups are exact. He's got this whole thing worked out. And Peter says, knowing this, that all the world is going to be burnt up in this way, what sort of people ought you to be walking in holiness? Let your conduct be holy. If you know this is true, that the countdown on the oven is ticking, and it's about to get to zero, and there's going to be a whisking away, how should you be living? 
waiting, knowing, and saying, God, there needs to be something rising in me like that oven. I need to have something rising up by heat on the inside of me that there's a holiness, a Holy Spirit fire is purging me on the inside and saying, God, make me holy. I want you to have your recipe done when you come. Come on, somebody. That when he comes, I want to be ready. I don't want to be in the oven flat. I don't want to be in the oven undercooked. I want to say, God, I'm ready. There's been a burning waiting for this moment till the final countdown. I've been waiting on this day. And there's going to be a watching. There's a watching. As the buzzard nears, how much more do you watch it? I've been watching Israel every day for weeks. Watching, saying, God, I'm ready. I'm ready. I hope you're ready. Lord, spare you from tribulation. I want to be whisked away. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? How are you growing? He said there's different types of soils. There's also different types of crops. Will you be barley and like Jesus, be a part of this first fruits? That he was a poor man. And will you take of that poor man's bread and humble yourself and say, God, may there nothing be hard in me. Lord, take away the chaff. Take away the hardness of heart. God, make my heart soft. Make me like Jesus. Make me like barley that I can be ready early in a moment's notice. Whenever you're ready to take me, God, I will be taken easily. Make me like barley. Make me soft. Make me easily molded and shaped. God, Lord, search me and know me. See if there's anything in my heart unpleasing. Make me ready. Make me working, make me waiting, make me watching, make me ready. Or are you wheat today? Maybe there's a hard shell that God needs to break. And Lord, you just ask him to break it right here, right now. You don't have to wait to that day when the days of all happen. You can be broken now. You can say, God, I see hardness in me. I've been worried about the cares and affairs of the world. I've been so busy with the junk of this life. Lord, make me sensitive again. Lord, break me. Break me now, Lord. Or will you be, have to be crushed? Every man that rejects Jesus Christ will be crushed. Or you can say, God, I accept you as that Passover lamb. May the wrath of God pass over me. I can go from death into life by faith in the word of God.